Hey everyone, I'm Kanal Bajwa. And I'm Lance Jordan. We are two nerds who decided to start a podcast in 2020 due to the pandemic. No topic is necessarily off the table, and we'd like you to join us in hearing our thoughts on various topics, ranging from anime to Zeppelins. We have it all. Here, Here we, we go. go. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today on this beautiful, sunny morning on October 17th, 2020. We got a guest with us today. Uh, Yoni, can you, uh, can you say hi for us real quick? Yes. Uh, my name is Yoni Medhin, based here in San Antonio. Cool. And today's episode is going to be interesting. So one of the reasons I started this podcast is to uh, reach out to people to help connect and then promote businesses local, talent local, anything local that I could pretty much come in contact with. Uh, so it's a bit of a funny story. Uh, this actually, this entire episode is really due to my brother and sister-in-law. Uh, when Lance and I first started recording, my brother like ch- chipped in and got us like three of these condenser mics right here. And I was like, well, of course I have to do an episode with you. You can't just do that and not let me do anything for you. So thank you, Karin. You get full credit. Okay. So stop bothering me all the time. <laughs> uh, and so uh, they they know a friend, uh, they know a mutual friend of, of ours, actually. Jess used to work with Lauren uh, in catering and all the time, and then they would hang out at Karen and Lauren's house all the time. And she works for you. She works with you. Uh, and so she heard our podcast specifically with uh, the wrestling podcast, and she thought, you know, uh, this is awesome. And then Lauren got in touch with me, and she was like, uh, my friend Jess wants to talk to you, and then that's pretty much how this came to be. So that's how we started, and uh, that's how we came here today, which is pretty kind of a wild St. Louis Bacon number turn of events. Um, so yeah, that's how it started. Very St. Louis. Uh, very, story very St. right Louis. there. Everybody knows everybody. It's kind of like the mob, but we we like dealing gooey butter cake. So yeah. <laughs> well, a little, oh. little bit of protein powder here and there. There's no protein in that, Ben. There's <laughs> just there's just butter. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I deal I deal in protein powder, so and that's why you're here because our three of us like to get swollen as fuck. Uh, Lance, take it away. All right, man. Uh, so my first question: um, Can you just basically? Uh, you know, bring us up to speed about, you know, your background growing up, family life, uh, you know, the values you grew up with. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my family are, uh, so my parents are immigrants from Ethiopia. They came from, uh, well, they came during the 80s. There was about, there was, it was during wartime. Um, and so they came to this country. They had uh, basically nothing. Uh, my dad told me when he first arrived in the airport in Denver, he had to borrow five dollars, and so that's just how they've always looked at it. You know, they've they just the five dollars to get a taxi to go to his host home. So they didn't even have like the twenty dollars in their pocket. No, other immigrant stories. No, no, they that's just they cool. just showed up. They had to borrow some money, and then. Uh, was a taxi driver for a long time, um, wanted to plant a church. So um, our family's Christian. So he, he wanted to plant a church for a while um, and then ended up doing that. But that was a little bit later and then uh, went back into engineering school. And then so my uh, from my mom's end, she uh, she came to this country also escaping wartime um, and they had met in Canada at some conference. And so when they were in Canada, uh, they met. 
uh, he brought her to Denver and that's when they started the family and they just basically worked their butt off for, um, man, for probably, I guess since like 1999, they've just been working their ass off. Um, and they're, uh, yeah, so they've, they've done, they've done really well for themselves, but those values of working hard in school, um, serving your community has always been a big aspect of it. So I've done mission trips, like kind of all over the place. I've taught, I was teaching English in Poland at one point, um, went to Nicaragua to help, uh, prepare an orphanage. Um, I've done a lot of trips in Africa. And so, uh, that's just always been a value of, uh, of mine. And then, um, I serve a lot in our community, but then at the same time, it's like, if you're not getting an A, you're getting spanked. And so, um, <laughs> and so it's one of those, one of those things. So, um, now, granted, I did not get all the time A's, so I was able to kind of slide, slide underneath that. But, um, uh, yeah, so I ended up going to engineering school and that's, uh, kind of a little bit of the background. Um, all of this was happening in Denver, so that's where I was born and raised this whole time. So only recently moved to San Antonio for the startup. And, uh, what school was this that you did in engineering? Yeah, so it's actually, uh, what I'm wearing right now, Carter School of Mines. Okay. It's an engineering school based in Golden. Um, and so basically you're surrounded by breweries. So we would ski in the morning, drink, then go take our test. And so, uh, so this is, it was awesome, man. It was like, I, I look back and I think I actually had some of the best college experiences you could probably have. Any that you can share? Uh, or want to share? Well, so I skipped a lot of class, uh, <laughs> a lot of class. So I would, uh, anytime there was a powder day, it was an immediate, uh, we're going to get an F on that attendance quiz or pop quiz. Uh, we would leave at 6am, go to the mountains, ski for half a day, come back, go to a brewery, drink, study, cram for a test, take the test, realize that we probably should have studied before the <laughs> test, then go drink our sorrows away. And then, uh, so that was, that was pretty much a cycle. Um, and then, uh, as far as stories, man, oh my God. So it's a small engineering school. And so everybody knows everybody. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, there, at one point I thought I wanted to join a fraternity and that was, uh, that was not, that was not for me. Um, and so the stuff they would have us do for that. And then I also ended up playing rugby. Um, a lot of the hazing that was associated with that was wild. Um, a lot of stuff. We had a river that went through campus or not near the campus called Clear Creek. And, uh, a lot of the hazing involved, like going into that when it was like sub zero degrees and, um, and, uh, drinking along that. Um, it was, uh, it was fun, man. Um, one of our, one of the punishments that we had to do for rugby was a lot of streaking. Um, a lot of streaking. So, and not only streaking, it was like streaking that coincided with like some sort of <laughs> abuse. Did you pick up any chicks that way? No, man. I, I you know, I don't think uh, women are too attracted to men uh, that are kind of intoxicated running around a house naked. Was there shrinkage after a while from this, like the sheer cold of it? Or. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, at some point, you just like look down. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what I am anymore. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> it was, dude. It was, uh, yeah. It was one of those things where we um, we realized like uh, <laughs> that this is probably not the best idea if we want jobs. And so, no, Fair. no recording allowed, obviously. 
but we used to have things like kangaroo court where um, you would show up to uh, basically like a fake court, hence, hence the term, and you would be punished for all the sins that you did on the rugby field. So any mistake that you did was brought forth to the captains who were the judge, and then they would impart a sentence on you. And so the sentence sometimes was, Everybody lines up in a line. You kind of you drop your pants just to show your butt facing the banquet audience. And they all line up and they just spank. And so I had that. Uh, it actually had, uh, dude, I, I kid you not, I was like bleeding. And it was so violent. Wow. I'm like, this is the wow. worst experience. So now looking back, it was fun. At the time, I figured like this is probably abusive. That's, uh, that's why I never joined a frat. So. <laughs> dude. I was I was approached uh, once to join a frat and help start it and everything, and I'm like, no, no, I'm good, man. I'm gonna be the quiet nerd in the back uh, that does his homework. So. Well, I was always like the token black guy, so everybody wanted me in their frat. <laughs> I was also the token brown kid. I yeah, right. Only, yeah, I was the second Indian guy on my floor. There was my roommate, but then he actually got an apartment outside of college, and like. He like was there the whole time, and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna use this whole dorm room as a freshman myself. Okay. <laughs> oh geez, so, yeah, that guy's. Yeah, I don't know. I I I don't think I ever had a black person on my. Oh, actually, no. When I was an RA, which I was a terrible RA, um, <laughs> you were letting everything slide, bro. Oh my god, I was so bad. I almost got fired all the time. It was just like I was just under threat of being fired all the time. <laughs> But what was great was none of my residents were ever depressed. We, they all loved me. We all had a great relationship. And I helped them study. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, a dumb RA, so I'd like, I'd help them with their schoolwork. But, oh man, every time they're just like, did you trespass and break into the tunnels underneath the school and take them on tours and charge them $5 per person? I was like, yeah, sometimes. Um, so I literally, we had tunnels from Coors Brewery where they would pump in steam to heat the campus. Oh, that's cool. Or hot. Yeah. Well, it was pretty hot actually. When the, when one of the pipes were breaking, it was pretty bad. Um, and it's, it's federal trespassing, but, um, we would, I I found entrances all throughout the campus and so I charged $5 for a tour. Um, one of my first ever entrepreneurial endeavors. That's actually really fucking cool. Dude, I made I made like five hundred bucks. Um, and so in, in college, that was like uh, it was a decent amount of beer and eating out. No doubt. Yeah, so I, that that's some of the stuff that I used to do that definitely got me under threat of one time actually under threat of going and getting arrested. But you know, you build good relationships. All the cops loved me on campus because I was just like you know yeah. super pleasant to them. I wasn't a dick, and they're just like yeah, you know, you're just you're not a good kid, but you're not doing bad too many bad things. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so it turned out a okay. Positive police interaction with a person of color. That's right. Dude, it is, uh, yeah, especially when you're trespassing. <laughs> yeah, you just, I just, I just had to You smile. mentioned beer a lot. So, so what were you drinking? Yeah, so Colorado Golden was like one of the hubs of the beer scene in, in Colorado. Oh. So microbreweries were popping up all the time. And that's actually what ended up leading to the startup. But um, I, I fell in love with IPAs, so um, almost every IPA you can think of that comes from Colorado, I've probably tried, unless it's probably something in the last like year or two. Um, so I like IPAs a lot. Never really got into stouts. Um, and then uh, also I started getting into, there was, there was quite a few distilleries in Colorado. So Strain of Hands, they make pretty good whiskey and bourbon. Um, 
there's a couple others like kind of in the mountain area, like mountain towns. And then there's a tequila maker in Colorado as well. Um, but mostly stuck with IPAs. Um, okay. So I don't know. What Do you guys like IPAs? It's kind of a touchy I, subject. I enjoy more of the bourbon. I can't really do IPAs. I've tried. Um, I have a big sweet tooth. So I'm like, I need to. Yeah. That's why I'm like a big soju kind of guy. Um, but I do enjoy like bullet bourbon, whiskeys. I definitely like those. Yeah. That's mm, good. What about you, Lance? So when I was getting into drinking, I was doing a lot of beers. So I was doing, but I was doing like the Budweiser's, uh, Bush, Blue Moon. Blue Moon is good. I like Blue Moon. Blue Moon is like the best tasting beer I've tasted so far. I would agree with that. Everybody just hates the taste of beer that I know, but it's always been the best gauge of how I know when I'm drunk or not is, you know, I think it was always like six beers and then I'm like right at that level that I started doing shots at to yeah. really throw me over the edge. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. All right, cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody honestly likes beer, man. I think it's all just piss that's yeah. flavored. And so you just kind of coax yourself into saying, I like IPAs. Which is really sad because, like, there's some good, like, Belgian beers, like, Pelzers. Yeah, yeah. That, that are just, like, underappreciated. And I'm like, like, drinking culture outside of the U.S. is so different. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yes. So different. Like, I have a friend named Josh, and he's actually... After a bunch of paperwork and everything, he's visiting a, a girlfriend out in Germany, and he's been sending me like he was he was talking about like how how different and how higher quality the beer is out there, and just you know how much it's good. We wanted to follow into the next point is like uh, so we we kind of come from and, and we've talked on the phone uh, mentioned I actually it's interesting that I brought it up the first time we we talked on the phone. I was like uh, this podcast is. Kind of has a nerdy background with Lance and I. I mean, hell, I'm wearing a One Punch Man t-shirt today <laughs> to get through the day because pandemics are rough. Uh, but uh, I actually am not a big South Park fan. That was just happened to be like a South Park reference I, I went for. But uh, I do enjoy a number of their episodes. But like, you know, tell us, tell us, like, what what's your uh, what's your what's your brand of nerdiness? What like what do you enjoy to to do and entertainment? Do you like into like comic books, video games? anime what you got yeah man so i was uh i was an avid battlefield player so every single battlefield game oh hell yeah um and then south park i love south park uh my nickname actually so happened to also be token (laughs) which is kind of effed up but whatever i didn't have a choice a little bit yeah um but uh at the time it's like you can either i I actually kid you not they asked me do you want to be uh uncle tom or token and I was wow. like, Uncle Tom doesn't really roll off the tongue. He is a good guy, but it's going to be hard for me to respond to Uncle Tom seriously in any situation. Yeah. And so I said, uh, yeah. token, I think I can get by it behind. So it's just so bad. It's kind of like the, some things like I definitely understood that because like I definitely got terrorist jokes in high school. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like like cab driver jokes. I'm like, okay. Cool. Like, I like I dressed up this looking back on it, I cringe like a motherfucker uh, because I dressed up like I thought I looked Sicilian enough. I had this really big like Godfather phase where and so I'm like senior year, I'm going to go out to the best like outfit I do. Like, you know, you were you're a nerd where you have to explain your outfit to everyone you come in contact <laughs> with for Halloween. Uh, and stop shaking your headlands. Uh, 
<laughs> and so uh, I dressed up as Michael Corleone. <laughs> and so everyone, like, I was, like, wearing a suit. I slicked back my hair. I thought it was dope as fuck. And then, like, everyone was like, are you a cab driver or something? Like, what are you doing? Wow. <laughs> I, and I'm like, no, I'm not a cab driver. So I totally sympathize. Uh, it, it wasn't great at the time. At the time, but like, yeah. Okay, so Battlefield. Battlefield's uh, like South my video Park. game of choice. South Park. Um, I yeah. am. I rewatch like basically Last Bender once a year. Last Airbender. Last Bender. Last Airbender once a year. Last Bender. He bends. Who's your uh, favorite character? Or favorite episode? Yeah. Favorite episode. Let me see. 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 Hold on. I gotta. I gotta do a quick uh, Google search. I'll tell you. Um, the Tales of Ba Sing Se was a really, really good episode. Like I, I love the whole Earth, uh, Kingdom arc. It's a book that was two. a really good arc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tales of Ba Sing Se. That's the last episode with Mako, the the voice yeah. actor too. And uh, just every time I watch the episode, it just it gets you right in your stomach because it's yeah. so with uh, Ira. So, yeah, it's so heartfelt. Like we we need to do our own episode just on the last Airbender because there's so much so much out there. Uh, favorite character, I would say uh, Toph for me when she was introduced. I I love her attitude. Um, even though she was like disabled, she was so powerful. Totally agree. Totally agree. And so young at a young yeah. age too, like barely eight years old or something like that. Like. Was she not eight, eight, eight years old? She was not a teenager. She was still oh. very young. There like, we go. Uh, That's his name. Uncle Iro. Uncle Iro. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That was your favorite? From the Tales of Bossing Say. Yes. Okay. There we go. I was like trying to remember. Yeah. I was like, who's the old guy who's so nice? <laughs> he's so nice. And like, yeah. And then I was just like, Google. I was like, man, who's that old dude? And they're like, yeah, he's kind of like Mr. Rogers. I was like, no wonder I liked him so much. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rogers. Yeah, it's just like okay. He is in a lot of ways like Mr. Rogers because he just has an answer to everything and mm. has so much wisdom. But like you know, uh, is there's a background of so much. Like I really wish they did. Like they they've released a bunch of like graphic novels of of the of that series of the Last Airbender, like detailing what happens to Zuko's mom. Uh, what happens like when Zuko tells Aang like no matter what because he's like uh, be the Avatar and if I screw something up you know take me out like there's a whole bunch of uh, stuff like that I need them to do an arc where it's just like young Iroh and then tell us like what happened up to the point of Lutan's death because there's so much there that that we just don't know that's kind of left uh, to our imagination uh, especially like probably my favorite episode is the the dancing dragon episode uh where they have to go to the to sun warriors and find out like how to fire bend but not using anger so that's a really was that good one. zuko yeah mm-hmm. okay and then you find out like the, the reason i say this because like you find out iroh lied to save the last dragons so that way they could repopulate and not be extinct which i thought was really cool and so, like they they uh, they wonder, like they hypothesize that Lu Ten might have been the second guy to work to face both the Dragon Masters at the same time. So I think that's pretty cool, but we don't know for sure. So that's there. Cool. Right. We got we got off on a strong nerd <laughs> Bro, tangent. Bro, you there. guys are 
way more on top of it than I am, but yes. <laughs> Kanal will break it down to the material of the shirt, you know, when that weapon was forged. That's that's why he gets paid. That's right. All two dollars <laughs> and thirty six cents, man. Right. Uh, thank you, Anchor. I, I was a I was a history major back in the day, so I love those detailed oriented things. And and I've been following some groups on Facebook, so give me like fifty percent credit. Like I'll, right. I'll take fifty percent of it. Anyhow, uh, anyhow. All right, back to it. Um, yeah. So Yoni, another thing that we found out that was interesting was that you were a gold medalist pancake flipper. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting story. Yeah, so basically. Um, <laughs> yeah so when we were uh i think that was a story from jess but um basically we matt and i were uh we were trying to enter like competitions or or ways to like uh kind of promote promote our flower so uh and matt's your co-founder yep matt's my co-founder so i met him playing rugby in college and so basically long story short we <laughs> we figured out like yeah if we advertise ourselves as uh gold medalist pancake flippers at the farmer's <laughs> market that might be able to get yeah. us more hits so that's that's basically how the story started um now there have been a lot of side uh made up stuff about it from other people but the, the long story yeah. short we just started saying we are the best pancake flippers what's the best uh made up story that you've heard I mean, this is how legends are born. Yeah. So made up stories are part of the legend. So please tell. <laughs> Dude, people, one, one lady asked if I went on tour flipping pancakes. I was like, have you ever actually met somebody that's gone on tour flipping pancakes? I'm like, that actually is not, not real. But if I could get paid doing that, I would probably do it for a little bit. Hell yeah. But yeah, Matt and I Can like you? perfected the art of flipping a pancake. Uh, we got to the point where you could kind of just like slap the spatula, it would flip midair, and then you kind of just like gracefully let it hit the pan. Okay. Is it more elbow and less wrist, or like is it? <laughs> it's like all wrist. <laughs> okay. All wrist. Think about like. Look at the wrist. I don't know if you guys ever got you know hit by your parents, but it's like see, imagine like getting hit by the <laughs> hit by the belt. <laughs> it's just all wrist. That belt. I may or may not have, but um. <laughs> you can't confirm or deny that you've been hit with a belt. I was I never hit with a belt. It. I was never hit with a belt. Well, we're, I'm just, African, man. That's like that was like tame. Yeah. The rest of it was, hey, we're just, you just go outside and you have to run from a line. It was like the other option. So they just they, they used, bro. I mean, coming from where they're coming from, they're just like, yeah, you just they just would lock you outside for like 48 hours. I'm like, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they would call that child abuse in America. Well, in a you know, growing up in St. Louis, our parents would lock us out to make us like go outside and actually play and do something. Get active. Like, get away from the video games. You can't come back until the streetlights come on. And you better be home when the streetlights are on. <laughs> That's right. That's how we did the, it back in the good old days. Right? Yeah, in the good old days. The good old days. Oh, my God. That was a big eye roll. God, I hate when people bring that up. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, I know. That's why I did the fist bump in the air and everything. Yeah, so. dude. It's like, oh, man, yeah. Back in the good old days when you guys didn't have a lot of job opportunities. Yeah. I'm just like, Jesus, man. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're so lazy and everything. I'm like, I know for, I, all of my friends are doing like two jobs at least. Like, yeah. it's, like we're not screwing around. Yeah. Right now, probably more because we have no choice. But yeah. So going into um, grain for grain. Yeah. Let's, let's bring it back. 
what inspired you to become an entrepreneur and um, what has the journey been like for you? Um, well, so for, for, for me particularly, I'm like regret averse. So I just hate, I hate feeling regretful. So, um, when Matt and I came up with the idea of doing spent grain recycling, so originally it was, I came up with the idea in college and then Brett brought Matt in, um, when we were in Houston together, uh, working, um, it was one of those things where we just saw the opportunity and we're, he is very uh, risk averse, so he doesn't like taking risks. But for me, I just knew in like hey, 50 years, if I don't try something like this while I'm young, I don't. I, I was very naive, mind you, so I had no idea what the hell I'm doing. I still don't really know what I'm doing 90% of the time. Bugs in the club. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right? I'm just like kind of shooting from the hip half of the time. Um, I was like, I, I just was talking to several people that were way older than me, 60, 70. Um, and they're just like, look, uh, you're going to have plenty of years to work. Uh, if you really want to be a professional, you have plenty of years to do that. Um, you do not have a lot of opportunities to do something that might add value big time to people and just, and just so give it a shot. You will, you will hate yourself if in 50 years somebody else is doing this and you're still stuck behind a desk, um, kind of 100%. working for somebody else's dream. And so I said, nah, man, screw that. So, um, this was an idea that we felt was worthwhile going after. Um, so that's kind of what really led it. And then part of it too, I was in North Dakota at the time. And so... That was your petroleum job, wasn't it? Yeah. So I was a petroleum engineer for about two and a half years before moving into uh, upcycling food. So I went from uh, what people would say, raping and pillaging the earth to uh, recycling food. And I'm like, thanks, guys. Um, I think it's a little bit more positive than that, but fine. I'll take the contrast if it makes you buy something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure. And so the, uh, yeah, so this was a great opportunity also for me to get out of North Dakota as well. Um, I was 24 at the time. And so being 24 single and in an area like Minot, North Dakota, where you're just like, yeah, I'm just trying to find a girl who has all her teeth, which is really bad, but... <laughs> That was some of the jokes. They're like, yo, man, there's so many girls here. Is that here. the bare minimum? Bro. All the I teeth? Mean, yeah. Man, it's the, one of the managers I used to work for who was based out of Houston when as I was like preparing to move up there for this project, uh, we were building like some pipelines up there. He goes, you know, there's plenty of women there. There, you know, there's, there, the, the trick is you have to look behind all the trees. You know, they're, they're, they're all behind the trees. And I'm like, what? He's like, the problem is there's just no trees. I'm like, that's the worst joke. And it, I'm just like, that makes no sense. One, and that's literally what they, they use that joke all the time as if it was like, one, a yeah. good joke. So it's like, you're never going to find them. Well, they're not there. Yeah. It's like, they're, you know, okay. they're all behind the trees, but there are no trees. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, okay, guys. So you, so you do this whole flip from uh, a very stable job, petroleum worker. Uh, and then you're like, I have the science knowledge and I had this idea uh, to take a product and to not destroy the earth at the same time to maybe help other people. Cause you have this background of from your parents taught to you, like, you know, be very helpful to people around you uh, uh, from whatnot as from a young age. And I think it's really cool. Undoubtedly I know, and I know that it's probably hard for them to accept for you to leave that job uh, because I, I have, I have Indian parents too, and I love them to death. And 
it comes from a good place where they're like, no, you have to make all this money. What we don't care about sustainability. Uh, we care about like you being safe. So like, what was that like to switch from that to, uh, you know, doing a project that you're like, I don't know if it's going to work, but I love want to do it. And I want to give it a shot. Yeah, for sure. I, um, walking into it, we, so we, when we figured out exactly kind of our value proposition and we figured out that we could probably raise money on it. So the, the big thing is we're able to dry the grain from six to seven hours the old way. We can do it in 20 minutes. So we're Holy like, okay. Shit. So we're okay. like, all right. So this is a, a big leap in some innovation. So we're like, okay, I think we've got something that we can raise some money and go try a real experiment. And we can, I can do this full time for a year or two and see what it's like. Remind me your science background specifically. Yeah. So this is unrelated, but yeah, I was a, so petroleum engineering is like a bit of mechanical engineering, a little bit of chemical engineering, and then, um, mostly petroleum concepts. So, um, that was, that was the idea. Originally I was going to be a phys, like I wanted to go to physics, but the market demand for petroleum engineers was like, you come out of school and make 120 K a year. I was like, hell yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> Don't blame you. Yeah. At all, and yeah. so, uh, I just went with the market went on that one. And, um, granted when something pays that much and it's based off of a commodity, you're asking for it the moment prices go down. So that's what happened, right? So prices go down. A lot of my friends were losing jobs. And so I started seeing that it was pretty an unstable career path. If I wanted to stay for a long time. Um, and plus I just didn't like the kind of the climbing the, you know, greasing the corporate ladder along the way and just trying to, you know, playing the politics. Granted, maybe I'll end up there again, but at least at the time I said, you know, while I'm young and I still have quite a bit of energy and no responsibilities, I think this is a good time to try something. And so when we made our invention, I kind of had, you know, just that idea of saying, all right, I think this is worthwhile trying. I went to my uh, I went to my parents and I told them about it. I was like, "Hey guys, I think I'm gonna actually quit my job." And then I told them the idea was make some pancake mix, make some flour products, introduce it to the market, and then we're hoping that some big companies will want to buy the flour from us wholesale, and then also want to buy the technology behind it. Was the was the idea? And so I told them. My mom literally doesn't say anything, then looks at me and she's crying. You know, and she's like. Yoni, you're going to quit. You're going to quit your engineering job to make pancakes? What, what did I do? What did I do? And I'm like, um, what? That You didn't hear a thing I said. So actually, um, I really wanted their support as far as like them being behind it. So I actually like kind of took my time before I quit until I like got there. At least their support of saying like, we believe in you. We're here for you. I think this is a really cool idea. Um, and so I took some time just to like wait until they were like, you know, at least emotionally bought in, but man, oh, my dad was like, I think this is a stupid idea, man. I think this is a bad idea. I'm going to tell you, Yoni, I have seen some bad ideas. I don't know if this is a good one. And I'm like, oh God, what kind? And so it took him a while. Um, really my mom's code of, I can't believe you're going to quit your engineering job to make pancakes kind of but this is a different this is an engineering job it's just a different one exactly it's like it's taking yeah. engineering um it's kind of taking the engineering process of like thinking through something um designing it and then making like a having a practical application for a real world solution 
is oh. in effect what engineering is. And so, and that's, that's what I love because uh, the only way we're going to save problems, it's like often people, when they look at problems, they're like, oh, we got no choice. We got two choices, this choice or that choice. And both of them are terrible. I'm like, we have a lack of imagination here. And, and I love that this product that you're, that you and Matt have made is like, it's like, no, we, we have the technology. Literally, we have the technology and I have the, the smarts to, to work with this and to bend it and do what we need to do to not destroy everything. Like we have, we, there's, there's options is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. You're right. I mean, man, you can apply that to anything. Like uh, any, anything that's like has a bipolar attitude of we, it's one extreme or the other extreme, I'm, I look at that and I'm saying that is an incorrect way to view it. You can even say that freaking about politics. There's like, you got A or B and that's it. And I'm like, no, if you keep doing that, those extremities, the living in the extreme is just going to continue making things worse. There's always okay. options. And so it just takes people to just think outside of the box, be a little bit of create, have some creativity to approach these problems. And you can do that with almost anything. Yeah. To quote Tokyo Drift, you got to rip up the box. Man, man yeah. there we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I I'm so glad you and Lance both got that reference. I'm so <laughs> happy, hey, man. Fast and the Furious Con- is still my continue. continue yeah, R.I.P. Paul. Drift King away, man. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so that that's kind of the the concept, right? So that's what was able to get the buy-in from. We we were able to raise a little bit of money. Um, we only raised. Over the last two years, we've raised, I think, only about $230,000 um, just to like, re- like really operate this thing. So it's, it really isn't that much for a manufacturing company, but we've been able to prove the concept and get into 200 stores with something that's completely brand new. Um, and so now my parents are looking back. They're like, hey, at least you tried it. This has been awesome. So we're, they're like super bought in. I'm like, go. you little hypocrites, but that's fine. I mean... <laughs> That's, understandably so that's humans and parents that sounds like them yeah, yeah. And, and like from their background they escaped they were watching their friends die half my I mean half of my dad's family when he was 11 was killed um yeah. my mom's family right. was scattered so they were coming from an environment where there were no certainties yeah that, that's a it's a reality like we forget how safe the united states is in comparison to other countries and don't get me wrong if you travel to india you'll most likely be safe but uh, riots, you know, killings like this, like it's, it's not uncommon in, uh, other cultures, histories to, to be prevalent. And, uh, so you've spoken quite a bit about the technology process on, uh, your, your product grain for grain, uh, how you came up with the idea and the technology. Is there anything that you wanted to add or anything you wanted to, uh, talk about that we didn't cover as such with the, with the product? Yeah, I mean, so um, I guess kind of like at a high level, um, all what we're well, all what we're doing is when the brewery takes when they're making beer, they're taking barley. Um, that barley, they extract the carbohydrates out through a processing a process called mashing, and then out of that, they then introduce yeast, which then ferments into alcohol. Um, all that's left though in the grain husk is just protein and fiber. And that is generally thrown to uh, cow, cows, pigs, so cattle feed, or to the landfill. And so for a while, companies like ABN Bev, so like Budweiser's, the Coronas, 
Coronas. <laughs> Rest in peace, <laughs> oh, that yeah. brand. Oh, probably that's, doing great. Yeah, that's a, that's a sad brand. Uh, uh, I think they actually wanted to, they were, they were close to filing a lawsuit against the people that are using the name coronavirus. I think I heard about that too. Yeah, yeah. Cause they, I mean, they had to shut down production for like six months. It was crazy. Um, anyways, long story. That's, that's a whole other side note, but those companies, Miller Coors, um, uh, the people that made Samuel, Samuel Adams, they've been trying to find a way to actually turn this into for human consumption. Like whey protein comes from cheese making. So, Whey used to be dumped in sewers until they figured out, hey, this is, if you turn it into a powder, it's water soluble. And now all of a sudden you have a great protein source. And so we, we, we saw that. And so that is kind of what we do. We just take, we take that byproduct, dry it, mill it, and then we turn it into that flour. And that flour is used for a variety of products. Um, even dog food. We're working with a dog food company out in Wisconsin. That's looking to start sourcing our stuff to make uh, dog treats with it. So um, a lot of applications for it. It's just flour and grain that uh, is 100% recycled. So that is at a high level, really kind of what we're doing in case anybody has questions about that. So we have a high protein, high fiber, uh, no sugar content. Yep. That's awesome. So you can still say swole and enjoy your cupcakes. Yes, sir. Yep. Oh my God! You don't have no idea how you made this inner fat kid so happy. I know, because right? I used to be a very chubby person, but um, the Blaine's and I love to to work out, and that's actually how we how we met each other uh, at a, at a local gym. And the fact that we can enjoy I'm still a fat kid. It's so... <laughs> you got you got some you got some swell under that though. That's the thing. I, I mean. But I can't pass up any cake or cupcakes or anything like that. So so do I, because they're they're glorious, and and the fact that uh, that you can still do that is amazing. Uh, so you have local places out in San Antonio that are buying your product. Anywhere else that you're selling your product that's uh, that's going around? Yeah. So we um, outside of like these um, kind of these private label stuff that we're working on, um, we saw a product on our website, so grainforgrain.com, and then on Amazon. And we'll put those in the notes. So yeah, yeah. And so that is so if you just search grain for grain, you'll you'll find us right away. Um, but yeah, I mean those, those are kind of the, the places right now. But if you're in Texas, eventually you'll be able to start buying fresh bread um, from H E B bakeries around the state. And so they're going to be making keto sliced bread, keto buns, keto cake, all with our flour. Um, and I'll tell you, man, the keto cake. You can you do not need to pass up on it anymore. You can just eat it and it'll be guilt free and it'll be amazing. Does it taste the same? Like how much of a difference? It tastes like it it's one of those things where okay, a good way to explain it. Do you like do you know Halo Top ice cream? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's just like that. So it's not ice cream all the way, but it's so it's just as good and in, in, in or it's almost as good where you are able to sacrifice the taste for the health benefit. I gotcha. Yeah, because the Halo Top's like, you can, uh, you can get a pint for like 300 calories or something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's awesome. And I down yeah. that pint. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, keto cakes, too. That just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, keto cake. Yeah. I love it. So for you, um, just how big do you see yourself growing within like the next five years or so? Or maybe in, within the next year, even? Yeah. So we're, what we're trying to do now is, um, so that, okay. So when we first started, 
We did not expect that we would be getting demand for our low carb flour like this. We thought we were going to be just making products after products. So we had a like a keto microwavable muffin cup. We had a couple other products um, kind of in the pipeline that we wanted to introduce and launch. Um, and then what we realized was that uh, as as those products started moving, um, people actually wanted to start buying the product wholesale. So we pivoted towards really only trying to sell the wholesale flour now. And so that said, uh, outside of COVID, we were expected to be much farther along this year. So, and that's with everybody. Um, and so I, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm not one to complain as far as like we, you know, everybody's having a really kind of shitty year as it is, but, yeah. um, where we see ourselves going in the next five years is really kind of building out these partnerships to, so for example, impossible burgers or beyond meat. They have these partnerships with companies like uh, uh, Dave and Buster's or Burger King, where you can get a sustain like a veggie burger that tastes almost like meat. What we want to do is we want to make the bun, and so we want to have the bun oh, be nice. made with our flour. It's a sustainable, healthy bun that tastes great that they can have with those futuristic meat products as well. So that's that's where we see ourselves doing. So we're what really, really we're trying to do is get the attention of people like a Nestle or a General Mills to really help kind of push that growth forward with their brand partnerships. Um, and then I also want, if you walk into the, like say cereal aisle or cracker aisle or granola bars, um, they're going to have spent grain in there as just like a standard ingredient next to what they would have like walnuts or, or wheat yes. that they would have. Um, I just want to have every product have the option to have a sustainable yet affordable way to making that available to their customers. Um, and so that's, that's where we see ourselves growing now. Um, to get there, uh, COVID needs to eventually end. So we'll see. It will. It will. We're going to, we're going to make it. I guess I'm staying positive about that. Oh yeah. 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 Fighting COVID. And those stupid Uh, COVID deniers. Gosh. Yeah, I know. If, if I hear another person talk about 5g causing it, I'm, Man, I'm gonna lose it on uh, Sunday. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a textbook well. at them. I just, I'll probably just be like, no, and walk away. <laughs> um, that's how cool I'll be. But um, uh, I wanted to ask you real quick: Is there any possibility for gluten intolerance? Yeah. So, um, in the brewing process, when the enzymes are consuming up the starches that basically contain the sugar, and then and then downstream turns to beer. They're also consuming um, basically the protein that's con- consist that contains gluten. So it's uh, gluten is a type of protein essentially. Right. And so uh, our flour and our grains actually. Uh, I mean, people with celiac eat it all the time. Now I'm not going to recommend that just because it is not technically gluten free because it's coming from a it's derived from barley or wheat. Right. Right. But that process, it is a processed. Um, ingredients. So a lot of those, a lot of that gluten's removed. And so anybody that has gluten intolerance or has some like gluten sensitivity, uh, they've been able to have our product just fine. Um, and that's actually recommended for them. But if they have celiac, we're not going to recommend it. Um, but I will say though, with the caveat that, uh, it is very, like if the threshold's 20 parts per million, we hover between 10 and 30. And so okay. it's one of those things where it's it's it averages out to a gluten free product, but it averages out. So there could be a risk where um, you may have a little bit more gluten than you anticipated. So we do not recommend it for people with celiac. 
and I'm sure like down the line when you guys grow, because obviously you will from the level of uh, the kind of product you have, I'm sure you could have, you know, like uh, specific gluten, to, like intolerant, like locations just to product, produce that. Yeah, that's just a matter of time. Yeah, exactly. We do everything in our one facility that we built uh, just because right. we're small and we don't have that, uh, that yeah, availability. Yet. Just, yeah, cross-contamination's super annoying. Um, a mutual friend that Lance and I have has celiacs, uh, and that's his main issue. But like, I could definitely see that. Just that's just it's all a matter of time. Cool, cool. Uh, so getting back to being swole, uh, I hear that. So obviously, this has been a product that is is good for people who want to stay in shape and stay still enjoy the best things in life. Like, do you, do you work out? Like, what do you do to stay in shape? Or because you seem pretty in shape from just like watch you right now yeah this is my, my thick <laughs> my thick sweater is hiding all my my chunk um no i uh packs <laughs> i wish um no so i so with rugby came just like a lot of lifting so i love i love working out um i'm now one of those people that are uh doing crossfit but i'm not in a, the cult i just do the workouts <laughs> You don't seem like you are. I don't so, yeah. talk to people about it, but I do do CrossFit quite a bit. And then um, I run a lot. And so the reason I'm, I do all of that is so that in the wintertime when ski season arrives, I've got to represent my black folk up there because I'm generally the only black guy up there. So I can't, I can't, I can't be acting a fool just out of breath, you know, so I gotta, I gotta be in shape for ski season. <laughs> and I actually kid you not, that is really the reason. Like, I, people are like, "Why are you running all the time?" I only like pack in my running in the fall, just because I'm like, "Oh, seriously, I just I, I'm not going to embarrass black people while I'm skiing, so I'm going to do a good job." <laughs> it's there. So I have to say, there you got to represent strong. I I understand that. When did you start skiing? Uh, I really only started, uh, in freshman year. So my, uh, my downfall in life is I make most of my decisions because a girl. And so, yeah. um, Open the club. I know man. every, every, uh, major decision has actually had something to do with a girl, <laughs> except for grain for grain. That I will say was my own choice. That was for me. Um, Word up. And so, uh, but yeah, skiing, there was a girl super interested in Emily. She, she will not know me, but, uh, she's like, I'm going to learn how to ski. I was like, I'm going to learn how to ski too. She's like, really? And so went in, bought my pass, bought my equipment. I later found out she was not going to ski that year. And so I was like super depressed, but my buddies knew kind of how much I was like anticipating it. And so they just took me up all the time. They taught me they were really good. They had been skiing their whole life. And so within like a year or two, I I started getting pretty good. And so now I I go regularly. Um, We go to some fun mountains like Jackson Hole or um, I'm about to do a heli skiing in February. So just taking a helicopter up to a peak of a mountain. um, That's cool. Yeah. So stuff like that now uh, I'm excited to do and I can do because, uh, yeah, just skiing a lot. But um yeah, so that's I've only been doing it since freshman year in college, so not not long. A decent amount of time, okay. Yeah, I guess yeah. now it's been oh shit, it's been eight years. Yeah, yeah. so about eight years. So that is quite yeah, wow. Yeah, I was a freshman. I started college ten years ago, like, uh, and I, well, I graduated in twenty fourteen. But like, still, it's it's insane to think that now. Jeez, um, we're getting old. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, black don't crack and brown don't frown, so we're gonna be Man. fine. <laughs> there we go. So, yes. So like That's beautiful. Yeah. We're just going to become legends that are beautiful forever. Except, man, I'm telling you, if you go to Colorado, you got to bring your lotion. Uh, black don't crack, <laughs> yeah. but black I will. I, I've, I've conceded the fact that I need to start moisturizing, start using Korean masks. And Oh, yeah, man. We get ashy so fast. I mean, that's like... We the, do. Yeah, it's terrible. You know, there's just pros and cons, you know. Is there a grain for grain coming for that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Might, there could be a there could be a day for that i'm sure yeah maybe let's just let's let me get the let me get the bread out and out you know out the All gate right. well and then and then maybe i'll come out with a line of moisturizers <laughs> some grain grain based moisturizers fantastic i will be the first one to buy uh yeah when that happens all right i'll let you know i'll let you, i'll send you guys a, a bottle a bottle of my lotion that just sounds so weird saying that i'm gonna send you up a bottle of my lotion <laughs> have you ever i've never said that sentence i think in my entire life and that just doesn't work <laughs> i'm gonna send i mean an exclusive there it is welcome to our podcast my friend <laughs> uh, i know i said this when uh, when we were talking on the phone a couple weeks ago, but I really wish we were friends in person like years ago. Yes, absolutely. It sounds like it's just so naturally that you have so much in common with Lance and I, at least in my opinion. Lance, I won't speak for you, but yeah, absolutely. Dude, Lance, I'm, I'm, I've been seeing you with your uh, the twists. I've been working my way up to that now. You working there? I'm working. I'm working my it, way. Man. I'm working my way, man. Lance has had some good work done on his hair for sure. Like every time we've recorded. What do the beauticians look like out there in Colorado? Can they can they twist hair? Um, there's actually an Ethiopian community there, so they'll they'll yeah. so there are people that'll that'll be able to do that. I used to have I actually had cornrows when I was in middle school. Yeah. I was just a very bubbly, short, fat black kid with cornrows, and so I was called a like a ghetto fat Albert. I'm like the hell, it's a bro. I mean, there's some interesting names that people call me. Uh, so I got, I quickly got rid of the cornrows after that, but, um, the only reason I'm doing it, uh, Toby Nwigwe, after I've been seeing him, I'm like, man, his twists are sick. I'm going to copy him. Yeah. He's that, he's a rapper out of Houston, Texas. Okay. But I got to say, like, I, uh, I was doing, when I was doing some research on you and I tried, uh, I saw your Facebook profile, <clears throat> so I'm totally admitted that I, I Facebook stalked you, but, uh. And your fingers crossed. I let's like go. That. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, it's good. You had, a, you had a, like, you still have it now, but like, you had like in that specific picture, you're like, you're with your with your dog, and you got this dope uh, fade flat top, and I'm like, I was like, fuck yeah, good for you, man. Man, you I I started doing the flat yeah. top in college, and it was the best decision. So one, I'm not the tallest guy. I'm like five six, five seven on a good day. I've noticed this like five times with the podcast, but welcome to the club. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Hell yeah. and, and so for me, the flat top, I, 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 I absolutely has now made me 5'9 in most women's eyes. And so it has been amazing. It has been the best addition to my forte. And so I try and keep it, I try and keep it a little bit tall. So right now it's like about an inch and a half tall. And so when I actually yeah. pick it out and it's fresh, ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of average height at that point. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh Prince of uh, San Antonio. I love it. Yeah, I'm either the hitch of San Antonio. I do try and do matchmaking unsuccessfully, but I try. <laughs> and then I am, I have self-named myself the uh, self-proclaimed uh, Fresh Prince of San Antonio, and that has not stuck. So most people still call me Token or uh, 
on my name. Yeah. So I'll call you the. You got to get into different yeah. communities, man. I know it's. I know it's just <laughs> a, lot, a lot of white people embrace it. They're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then anybody that's black or Hispanic, they're like, dude, get out of here! Like, what are you? Doing? <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just trying to make a good smile, man. And they just hate it. So <sighs> I can never win. Yeah. I can never win. Yeah, it's like it's. It's rough. It's like, you know, America is so like we have, you name it, we have it. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but like, you know, it's, it's just very gerrymandered, red line segregated. Um, and it's, it's rough. It's rough. And you gotta, you gotta make some choices. So I totally understand. Totally yeah. Understand. There's a, what was it? You have to codify, you have to re- recode your speech. So every time every you're time, in a new group, it's true. It's true. It like, uh, like I, I hear it whenever I talk to, and it's natural. It's natural for the most part. Like it's, it's not necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just kind of what happens. But I've definitely noticed, like when I'm around, like my family, my need, since Indian side of the family, like I definitely like some of the accent comes out a little bit. Um, <laughs> and when I'm with other people, it's just like you. It's what you're hearing now, and then. When I'm with white people, it's completely different. So sometimes, if I know them really well, then it's not. But but yeah, um, for sure, that's that's a thing that definitely happens. Um, uh, wow, you're so easy to talk to. I uh, is there anything else you would like to talk about that we didn't cover uh, so far with the with the questions that we asked, Lance? Do you have anything either? Oh, nothing to come to mind. But you know, just how can the people reach you? Or just fine grain for grain. Yeah. Um, so if people just reach out and go to at grain for grain, um, our Instagram, you know, we're, we're, we're always on there, um, talking with people that DM us. So if you want to reach out there, that's a great place. Um, you can find me, Yoni Medhin on the gram. I talk a lot. And so I just ask, like, you know, I'm just, I'm just somebody interesting. You be going live? I I do go on live, but it's in situations where I should not be on live. So it's- <laughs> <laughs> using my IGTV every once in a while. <laughs> well, dude, I like I'll be at a bar. I'm, like, I'm gonna go live, and it's just a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just like you holding a drink and like shaking or something. Yeah. So the camera's all vibrating, and I'm just like. <laughs> and so for me, I I'm lucky that I am my own employer. But uh, moving forward, you know, maybe grain for grain doesn't stay forever, and so uh, I'm gonna I've stopped that habit. Just so it doesn't start. Uh, Don't know, want the CEO learning. going crazy on the ground. I know, man. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the best place to reach us at grain for grain um, on our Instagram is like probably for sure the best one. Facebook, uh, most of that content is kind of transferred over. Um, but yeah, if anybody, and then the website's awesome. It has all the information on there. So grainforgrain.com. I checked it yeah. out. You ha- it has like all of your newsreels. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, and I'm guessing obviously that from there we can purchase your product. Absolutely. So if you go grainforgrain.com, um, and then you can buy right now, we sell them in three packs. Uh, primarily because just shipping the one box kind of is one of those things where we just, just, we're like, yeah, it's a bit expensive on the shipping, but we've had a lot of success where people buy it and then they want it again. So they have asked for us to sell it in packs that's a little bit cheaper. So we offer it in a three pack for both the flour and the pancake mix. And then if they ever want to buy it in bulk, like if somebody just wants to bake a ton just at home um, or they have like a cake that they want to make, they can, they're more than welcome to kind of request that as well. Fantastic. That's awesome. I don't know. It's 
pretty much it for me. Uh, Lance? I think that's it for this week. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. This was fun, man. Yeah. I appreciate you guys bringing me out here. This is awesome. Oh yeah, thanks for thanks for agreeing to do this too. Like we you know we had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, go out there and buy his product because you can stay swole and still enjoy those cupcakes. Let's well, go! Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I will tell yes. you, four pancakes, yeah. four pancakes will give you twenty grams of protein and only Holy eight crap. net grams of carbs. I mean, I'm telling you guys, you will get happily Ooh. swole. Like you can put some some almond butter on top of that, or some oh man, yeah. All right, stop talking about food, guys. <laughs> hey man, that's what this whole episode's about. <laughs> yeah, we got a we have a keto cake on our recipe page. It's a raspberry keto cake. Oh, I love raspberry per slice per slice. We're talking a handsome slice of cake. Yeah, five net grams of carbs, and it is it's what won us our competition to get into grocery stores. It is, I mean, it was, it was actually like trialed by like chefs, buyers, and they, uh, they loved it. Fantastic. So telling you the raspberry keto cakes where it's at. I'm going to buy some probably after this call. It's super good. It's super good. Go and do that, everybody. Um, Yoni, thank you for joining us. Thank you guys. Uh, pleasure having you on. And, uh, you know, maybe one day after I'm done making these pancakes, Lance and I will finally have a hobby. So, <laughs> and yeah. post post COVID, we'll have to kick it sometime. I would love that. Yeah, I, seriously, man. Like, there's you can once my couch gets delivered, hopefully by the end of this year, because it's thrown back everything. Uh, you can totally sleep on it, so it's totally fine. I'm down. That'd be sweet. That'd be sweet, man. Fuck yeah. All right. Hey, fan peeps, thanks for joining. And as always, we appreciate any feedback. You can follow us on our Facebook page, They Need a Hobby, and also at TNAH Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hopefully, one day we'll find a hobby and maybe even be one of the cool kids. Peace. Peace.